In today's episode, we are talking about hacking your fears, boosting your productivity, and creating bigger and better results in your life and business than you ever thought possible. Obviously, we've got a great interview in store for you today, so don't you dare change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. And let me tell you, we've got a really awesome interview for you here today. Uh, Mike Sesniak is going to be on, and we're about to switch mics and get over to him. But before we do that, a quick thank you to, again, all the people that have been sending in feedback for both my books. You know, when I wrote It Doesn't Matter What You're Selling back in 2018, I didn't expect the positive feedback to come in from so many different angles as it did. And, you know, whether it's email, or the Amazon reviews or, or wherever it might be coming. Um, I'm getting people on Facebook messaging me about it privately. It was a very, very exciting thing. And so when I went in a completely new direction and I released the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read this past November, I really didn't know what to expect. And, you know, it really has been very similar in that I'm getting a lot of feedback from all sorts of different directions. So I want to thank you guys who are writing to me. I want to thank you guys who are reviewing it on Amazon. I really do appreciate the feedback. For those that are not aware, I know that this new book kind of seems like it's taking a different direction. But again, just as it doesn't matter what you're selling was intended to simplify the sales and marketing process and give people a one-stop resource so that if they were always overwhelmed by all that extra marketing and sales information out there, they wouldn't be so inundated and so lost in the weeds that they wouldn't know where to begin. And me having a personal interest and a lot of success stories with the law of attraction, that is the same thing that I sought out to do with this book. So it's really good to hear that you know, I'm getting feedback where people have confirmed that I have done the job that I wanted to, where now we have a book in place here. If you have any questions or concerns about the law of attraction and you always find yourself investing in all these different books and buying all these different programs, but never really knowing where to begin and always feeling like you have to learn the next thing instead of just taking action, that's what this book solves. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead again and make the book this episode sponsor. So when you go to this interviews page on shatteredmoldpodcast.com, you'll see a fast, easy link in order to find the book on Amazon. But of course, you don't always have to go there. You can just as easily go to Amazon and search for the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Anyway, that's my bit for paying the bills today. With that said, we are jumping straight into the interview with Mike Sesniak. So sit back, get comfortable. This is going to be a really good one. Okay, today's guest is an awesome one. Mike Sesniak is an entrepreneur, a consultant, and a certified coach through the High Performance Institute. As president and head coach of the Results Engine, he specializes in helping clients boost productivity and performance so that they can scale their results much faster in both life and business. Mike's also the founder of the Fear Hacking Academy, where he consistently helps sales teams scale their production by at least 30% in only 90 days or less. And he continually shares all the insights that make this level of output possible as host of his top-rated show, the Results Engine Podcast. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about here. So, Mike Sesniak, thank you so much. Welcome to Shatter the Mold. Looking forward to seeing what you got to say here. Andrew, thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And, you know, full disclosure that I always like to give to my audience, you know, we just got off of your show where you were interviewing me. And I, I kind of feel like I got a leg up in, in the sense that 
I learned so much about you based on what you asked me and mm. based on the direction that you took the conversation and even based on the insights. So it's already kind of fueling my brain on the directions I want to take this conversation because I know it's going to be so valuable. Your insights and your understanding and your mindset of, of what my listeners can really learn from. And I can't wait to talk about the, the results engine podcast. That's def, that's going to be like the main event, but I wanted to begin by talking about the, the fear hacking Academy because sure. we, we briefly touched on things. We were talking about like anxiety and things along those natures, which I have a feeling this is related, but I wanted to ask you about your motivations. What kind of brought that together yeah. and what the fear Academy really does for people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'll give you the spark note. So I resisted the coaching industry for a number of years. I just had a very negative stigma around it. And um, it was all BS stories that I was telling myself. But uh, when I did eventually enter the space, it was a day where I, you know, I met the world's leading high performance coach and high performance, those words were things that I could resonate with. And, and it gave me the permission that I was seeking to enter the space, right? And uh, I wrote a program on the flight home from that event, which was ultimately what became Fear Hacking Academy. So Fear Hacking, it, it really, it started as a practice that I just used, honestly, Andrew, to like get pieces of my life back. When I was struggling through a bunch of things, part of that was, you know, during the period of time where panic attacks were super, super common for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, other parts were, you know, when I, devoted tons of time and energy trying to revive and like, you know, save relationships that weren't working. And I lost so much of myself because I was devoting all of my time to try and, you know, to, to save these previous relationships that weren't going to work anyway, you know, and I lost these pieces that really made me, me things like, you know, meditation or things like personal development things like business growth, like all these things took a back seat. And I needed to build structure around how do I skyrocket production around them or, or even like, dude, way before that, how do I even just get them back? Mm. And I started to bring in these structures and, and some of these practices just to get my life back, like get to get pieces of me back. And I realized that one, I didn't know how the hell they worked back then I, at all. I was just like, whatever, this works. And now I can use this to scale even further. Like it worked for that. I built in habits back into my life. Now, how else can I leverage this? And I started to realize that I could just skyrocket production around the things that actually drove business growth for me. And um, at that point, it was all just for me. This is probably like a year, two, two and a half years, maybe even uh, before I even entered the coaching space. But it started as that. And then eventually I got connected with information and resources and conversations that really shed light on the science behind it. You know, I come from an engineering background. Uh, I spent five years in corporate building a software engineering career, which was how I was able to fund all of my journey as an entrepreneur in the early stages. Um, so I love the data-driven stuff. And that's what like gave me the, the, the confidence behind it. I'm like, cool, that's why this works. And then eventually, you know, life always happens for you. It's not happening to you. And that happened about a month and a half I was connected with that information a month and a half before I had that experience where I met the world's leading high performance coach and uh, yeah, ultimately wrote that program on the flight home. Right. It's interesting. You know, speaking with you, it's even more so in our talk than, than even this one, cause we're just a minute in on this, but you seemed so Zen during our conversation. Mm. So the idea 
of your face with panic attack is such a foreign concept. So I imagine everything's working so well. And I always think it's a wonderful thing when you offer a product or a service or something based on something that you fixed for yourself. Yeah. And especially someone like you who communicates really well. I mean, an engineer, the beauty of an engineer is, again, I'm, I'll, I'll speak for you on this. They love to understand the way things work. So if you've got someone that's almost like, you know, anal, I'm not saying you are, but most people like anal retentive about how it works and then they can communicate well, you know, you've got a really good combination for, for what this is. And, you know, with that said, I'm wondering, does this academy have a standard sort of uh, pathway it takes people through or yeah. does it vary based on, on different issues with different people? Yeah. So when I first built this program, the answer to your question is, is yes, there is a standard pathway. Mm -hmm. uh, but caveat, like sometimes it deviates based on how it's being delivered. So let me give context to that. When I first created this program, it was a group coaching program. Uh, I have since turned it into a digital product so people can consume it through a course. And now I've also injected it as like the skeleton of a bigger program that I, I take people through. So the way people navigate this academy can differ. And, but there's always a, a standard structure that we go through and, and the way that uh, a standard way that we go about it, um, no matter what you're trying to leverage it for. Mm -hmm. And I imagine while it's probably not the only thing, sales is obviously one of the key things that people find their way to you through this because you were mm -hmm. talking about boosting sales by 30% in less than 90 days, which I'm assuming is all about like the anxiety of, of making a pitch or closing a sale or even doing a cold call or whatever else, correct? Well, it's actually just around the execution. So mm. in, in my world, I always say to people, I'm not in the business of how you make your money. Like that's up to you. I'm in the business of getting you to do more of it without the anxiety, without the burnout, without the stress, the anxiety, overwhelm. I said anxiety twice, but whatever you get it. Like that's, that's where I live. Like I'm in the execution world. Got it. So uh, the reason that we really targeted sales pros with this a lot is because man, sales is just numbers. And like at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. And so the majority of salespeople will know, cool, I, I need to make this many cold calls to set an appointment. I need this many appointments, you know, to get a close, right? So we know the numbers. And if we could scale those numbers by 30%, then we could pretty closely estimate that we'll make about 30% more money. So I'm all around like, cool, what are the action items? Now let's ramp up production and productivity and performance around those key areas. And then we can confidently uh, guesstimate that we will drive revenue as well. Love it. Uh, what are the biggest challenges you see people facing around this area when they're, when they're trying to be more productive and they're trying to implement a system that they already know works? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I think that the biggest one is probably the most counterintuitive one, in, which is most people think that you need to do more to get more. Right. And in the productivity world, that's just often not true. So there's a really, really powerful practice uh, that, and this is not just relevant to sales pros here. This is relevant to business owners. It will work in your career, no matter what, like it's a little different if you're in an employee role, because then like you have to communicate it with your employer and all these things, but the validity of the, of the practice is true. You just need to be careful when you're bringing it to light, make sure that you have buy-in by your employer. But 
basically there's a practice called the law of three and it's um it's one of the exercises that brian tracy shares in eat the frog which is a, a really good book full of like countless productivity hacks if you want to call them that and what it means is basically if we look at all the things that we need to do right that are uh, if we don't do them like we'll lose our job or our business will fall apart and we ourselves need to be the ones to do it typically there'll be about seven to 10 action items on there, like mm -hmm. requirements, whatever, whatever it is. The science has shown that three of those items often lead to about 90% of the results. Got it. So if we can get clear on what those three are, remove the other seven and then fill the rest of our calendar with more of the three, it's tough to communicate this only via audio, but trust me when I say like, you'll actually end up, being at about 300% of the results. I get it. So yeah. a really, really powerful practice is just to simply like list out all those action items and then just use one question as the filter to find it. And that question is, if I could only do one thing on this list that would get the biggest results and lead to the biggest impact in my business or my career, what would it be? And you just circle that number or that phrase or that, that sentence. And then do that for two other items. And those are the three that you should really be spending your time with. Um, because again, it's not always like doing more things, mm -hmm. right? This was, this was a huge thing for me in my journey. I didn't realize that like with respect to the anxiety and the panic, productivity was the piece that I really realized that I had no idea what it meant. And I didn't realize that I like doing things didn't matter if the things I was doing didn't matter. Right. right? So <laughs> Um, and this is just another example of that. So, you know, very simply, like if you can cut down what we're actually doing, get hyper-focused on what actually drives results and, and whatever key metrics you're looking for. Right. And then you could just scale production around it. Everything changes. I love that. I love that. Wow. So many things kind of pop my head as you're saying that I'm, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to start with a bold assumption here, first of all, and I'm going to, uh, invite you to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I assume that a number of people hear this. And they have trouble because there's that fourth and fifth thing that they just, they're, they're convinced it needs to be in the mix, but that when they finally actually buy into this and do those three things, then they understand the real difference and the real impact. Yeah, dude, a lot of it's really difficult, right? Because oftentimes there's a, a, so many things that come into play here. Like oftentimes our business is our baby and we don't want to relinquish control. Like another piece is usually we feel that like no one can do it as well as us. Mm -hmm. So we feel like we have to control it. But man, you and I know that like that, it's like this perfectionism idea that I think we were talking about one on your interview on my show. Like, dude, the more that you control that, it's, it's very much scarcity mindset because you're inhibiting your growth. You can't scale if you control everything. And then then it comes back to, well, why are you doing it in the first place? Because if it's, if you're in my circle, it means that you're probably impact driven like everybody else. So you're, you're creating your business to have some sort of positive impact on the world, to solve a problem, to help people. So if you won't get out of your own way to, to scale that and increase the impact, like, is that really what's important? And right. you can start to go down this rabbit hole that answering these clarifying questions. And it's a really, really difficult area, but 
I mean, that's what the science has shown. And it's not to say that it's easy to delegate or eliminate. By the way, the other piece of that is everything else outside of those three should be either delegated or eliminated. Right. Both of which come into here and are really, really difficult. Right. It's not like you're giving them up. You're just repurposing yeah. them and you're not putting them on your own plate. Exactly. Some things deserve to be completely eliminated, right? Uh, but other things need to still be done. It's just not worth your time. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how to do that. And it's not to say it's easy. It's just to say that that's what the data has shown that, you know, it's what needs to be done. Yeah. I think the funny thing is people, they want to be Richard Branson. They want to be Gary Vaynerchuk. They want to be Bill Gates. They want to be Jeff Bezos. And their brain doesn't equate the fact that so much is delegated from those people. Those people don't even, they don't even order their own food. You know, it's like, yeah. and it's, it's kind of like a, a leap that a lot of people don't want to make. So mm -hmm you take a lot of this insight and this understanding and i know you're focusing a lot on the results engine podcast which mm -hmm. is a, a top rated show so congratulations by the way thank you and i'm curious how has that been going and and what's been the, the biggest uh surprise the biggest pleasant surprise that you've had from that podcast so far dude it's been it, it's been going um timing has was really interesting so as you know you're running a, a top show as well like iTunes has a window of the, the approval time. And of course it went live literally as I was boarding. First of all, I got sick for three days of my launch week. Mm. Second of all, like, so that impacted when I could get the show into iTunes. Cause I was literally like bedridden with a stomach bug. Then that, that affected the window. I'm literally boarding a flight to California. And then as I'm in the, like the, uh, the bus from like the parking lot, of the airport to the gate, I get an email saying that my show is approved. So I'm frantically, you know, texting my, my buddy, Zach, who was helping support uh, with the launch. And I'm like, dude, what do I do? So it, it was crazy. Long story short, timing was wild. I was on a flight for five and a half hours trying to like execute this launch plan. And uh, it went better than ever expected. So, you know, even though it was a little bit wild and I'm still catching my breath, we're live like literally for three or four weeks, three weeks at the point of recording this. Um, I'm still trying to catch my breath, but it's been awesome. And I didn't expect to have the success of the lot. We cracked like the top 50 in entrepreneurship within 48 hours, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, nice. And just like the, the guests that we've been fortunate enough to connect with and get on the show, uh, I'm super, super grateful for. And uh, I'm just excited to see where it goes. We've, we've been putting out some, what I think is some really awesome content and the feed's been, feedback's been great. So just right. trying to keep it going. Now, obviously the name, I mean, this is the results engine yeah. and I imagine you're going in a lot into productivity and just mindset implementation. Is there any big lessons that <clears throat> this early in the game really stuck out to you based on, on certain interviews that you've done already? Yeah, I mean, dude, it's, I think it's more validation than anything. So it's interesting, like over and over again on my journey, I find myself like believing certain things that my gut tells me to be true, but I can't communicate it in words, at least not eloquently enough where other people would understand. Mm -hmm. And other people say that they do something or whatever it is, and it just validates it. And I find myself hearing this time and time again and in different areas, but so many really cool interviews. I think we're, at the time we're recording this, we have four episodes out and probably another like 10 in the bank ready to go out. Oh, wow. Okay. So, 
really, really exciting stuff. But, you know, productivity is just a small fraction of what we do in the high performance world. You know, it's one of the, the six habits. If you want to talk about it through the lens of like Brennan Burchard's high performance habits book. Um, but we really dive into a lot of people's stories, you know, and, and the lessons from the highs and the lows. I think a huge piece of my journey was I didn't realize at the time that social media was a highlight reel. Mm. And I was looking at all the people that seemingly had what I wanted. And I was looking at what I thought was the blueprint. Like I thought it was their journey. And I didn't realize that they weren't sharing the downs. They weren't sharing the lows of their journey, like the failures, all these things. At least I wasn't seeing it at that point. Yeah. When, you, when you pair that with this completely skewed vision of what productivity actually is, it's a recipe for disaster. So in these interviews, like we're, div- we're diving into the lows of the journey. Like what, The highs are great for perspective. Mm-hmm. But the lows, I feel, are where the biggest lessons are learned. And it's really cool to, to hear from these people that, you know, a lot of us are, are looking up to on social media and hear what it took to get from those lows back up to the highs. Yeah. You know, we see the supercars and like, it's like, it, it's tough to bridge that gap sometimes. And it's cool to hear what's taken them there. Yeah. There, there's such a value in, because I think a lot of times the more unique a problem is, the more universal it actually is. So I think sometimes you just got to hear that someone had a stomach bug a day before they hit top 50 in entrepreneurship so that when they're going through the same thing, they realize, listen, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and there's, yeah. there's a good piece and you got to take the good with the bad sometimes. But I, I really appreciate that perspective. Um, I'm not sure if you fell into that or you're intentionally doing that at some point, but that sounds like a wonderful formula for really inspiring listeners and getting them in more of a forward progress motion that they need to be in. Yeah. And I think I, I kind of created it for me, man. Like we have, we all have our different seasons in business and in life. And, mm. um, I just wanted to curate this, this product where, you know, I felt very blessed to be one doing the work that I'm doing two to, to be in the circles and like be around the people I was around. And I felt like I had a great opportunity to, um, to just provide great content through the conversations we're already having. And, um, you know, I just wanted to create this world where we're having raw, authentic conversation on what it actually takes to get next level results in life and business. There's so much like fluff on the internet and it's telling you what they need to tell you so they can market something and not just like telling you the the raw truth. that's actually going to sting because it's confronting right? It's taking away your excuses, but it's what you actually need to hear to drive results and move the needle. And um, I don't know, I just, I wanted to create that and, and I'm excited to be a part of it. So it's, uh, it's been a cool journey. Nice. Now, obviously a part of this is, you know, you're talking about internal motivation, people that are just going to be tenacious and, and dedicated to going in whatever direction they want to, especially if they want to be productive. And here we are, this interview will probably it'll air the first half of January and, you know, just as people are doing like the new year's resolution bit and all that. And I was wondering just to get your thoughts on um, what does, what do new year's resolutions mean to you on a positive or negative? And what advice would you give to people at this time of year when they're trying to get their ass in gear on something and just take some kind of actual mm-hmm. forward motion where they've been dragging their feet for a long time up until now? Yeah. I'll start with the positive. So I think it's great in the sense that it gives us a trigger to look at what we actually want and start working intentionally towards it. 
-hmm. However, I think they've been commercialized. And in the grand scheme of things, I think that New Year's resolutions are bullshit. And um, the reason for that is I think there's way too much hype built around it. And I think it leads people down the wrong path of setting very unrealistic action item like maps, right? We look at the the most common one is like, I want to lose weight. It's like, cool. Well, how much? Right. And most people don't even have that piece covered. And then even if they do, it's like, okay, well, how are you going to get there? And they're like, I'm going to go to the gym, you know, two hours a day, seven days a week. It's like, cool. We are going zero hours a day, zero days a week right now. So is that really sustainable? And frankly, the answer is no. And that's why people burn out and everyone's part of the statistic on January 13th when they fail. And it breaks my heart because I'm like, dude, these are really, this is really good opportunity, right? This is really good opportunity to be able to actually drive change in your life, your business, like your relationship, whatever it is. But we're failing because of this stigma around it. And we set these, these action plans that just, they're not sustainable, if it's not simple, it's not sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, what the hell are we doing it for? Because we're not going to do it long term, right? And that's where real dr- like real growth is driven from. That's where real results come from. So um, that that's the reason that I have such like a distaste in my mouth for it. I'm not ignorant to the fact that it's a great opportunity to check in. It's a great opportunity to goal set. And I'm glad that it drives that, but I wish more people would approach it from not just necessarily a realistic mindset. Cause I hate that word, mm-hmm. but look at it through a lens of like, can I actually do this long-term and what do I actually want? Mm-hmm. And I feel if, if more people did that um, and then you pair that with a, a little bit of a better mindset around the whole thing, where it's not like, cool, you miss one day, guess I ruined 2020. It's like, no, it's January freaking 13th. Like start back on the 14th and you're going to be fine. Um, that would be it. So to answer your question, like, what would you say to people? I would say if you're being part, if you're part of that statistic, like, dude, it's okay. And you just need to know, like, one, why did you fail? If it's because you're going too hard, like, are you actually going too hard or are you just like giving yourself an out? Because if you're giving yourself an out, cool, get back on the horse and keep going. Right. Two, if, if it's an unrealistic and non-sustainable plan, you need to realize that and adjust and it's okay to adjust. Don't listen to the people on the internet that are telling you you're going too soft because you're not working 47 hours a day. Like that's just wrong. So check back in with that. And you know, like when you build that plan in, in direct accordance with what you actually want, Make sure it's in alignment because if it's not like you're just going to be pulling teeth and you're going to waste a year executing towards something that doesn't freaking matter. Mm. So um, rant over, but I love it. You don't have to be the person that stays true to that resolution for the whole year. You've got to be the person that gets back into it as soon as you break, since the break is most likely inevitable anyway. You almost yeah. want to expect and be ready for it. I love when you said it's not sustainable. No, it's not simple. It's not sustainable. If it's not sustainable, then what the hell are you doing? And I think also people, they set improper expectations, what you were alluding to, of what it actually takes. Because like me, I look back, you know, back when I was 30 and I got in in tremendous shape. Um, I was going to a dojo once a week. Mm -hmm. And I mean, granted, I went really hard when I was there, but it was once a week. And then I just like, you know, I ate a little better and I let my body recover, but I didn't have to go to the gym four days a week. You didn't have to do that in order to succeed. 
Yeah. You just, you know, you just got to, whenever you go, make sure you're consistent. Like you said, it's simple and sustainable. Yeah. And you actually do the work when it's time to do the work. Dude, it, yeah, it, it depends on what you want, right? Like for me, I, I just, I'm just coming off a, a powerlifting competition and working with my current coach. Now I'm taking a bit of a break to really focus on business growth, but I was powerlifting for probably two years straight. And, um, during that period, I was in the gym two to three hours a day, four to five days a week. And that was because that was in direct alignment with what I wanted. But if I wanted to lose weight, like many, many years ago, probably four, almost four years ago at this point, I was working with my buddy, Mike Vacanti, who's one of Gary V's personal trainers. And for him, for when I was working with Mike, it was like, cool, time is of the essence. I need more time back. So my workouts were like 45 minutes, four days a week, maybe. Right. And I lost 35 pounds of body fat in 11 months nice. because it was like long-term consistent, sustainable action. And I had the accountability of that mentorship from someone who knew what they were doing. So, you know, it's not always about the time expenditure. It's like, what do you actually want? Right. Like that notebook meme, like, what do you want? <laughs> it's important. Right. And when we can figure that out, then we can start to build out that sustainable action plan that's in alignment with it. Now, as someone who coaches people through this and, you know, it sounds like, you know, you've, you're climbing this mountain, although I'm, I'm hesitant to use that term, but you're climbing this mountain from this physical level, but also in business. Yeah. Do you find that the psychology behind making it work is different for different areas or is it the same fundamental thing that you kind of hold to and you leverage as you're making these changes and going after whatever goal you're seeking? Yeah, I don't think it changes a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, I think it really boils down to our lives. Our lives are shaped by our decisions, right? You know, and like what boils into the decision making process, like in, in the grand scheme of things, it's like willpower, emotion, like some things like that. But it's like willpower drives everything, right? For me, and um, yeah, the arena that the decisions are taking place in are, are different. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to the decision-making process. Right. And um, that doesn't change a whole lot from arena to arena. What are your thoughts on the idea of creating habits that kind of hijack the need for, for the constant willpower? Are you a proponent of that? Or are you a proponent of just like sticking with it and, and moving forward no matter what? If it helps, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't use them before building the willpower. So yeah. what I mean by that is I wouldn't use them as a band-aid to avoid the fact that your willpower sucks. If it sucks, like that's something that we need to address. And, and there's tons of things that we can build into place to build that confidence and flex that willpower muscle because it is a muscle at the end of the day. Uh, and you work it just like any other muscle. So um, at the end of the day, I think that we need to have that base of strength in that willpower muscle. But when you have built that, if there's things that you could do that make it easier, so you're not flexing that all the time, go for it. I just wouldn't use it as a bandaid to avoid the lack of strength, if that makes sense. Right. And it kind of goes back to being, you know, simple and sustainable. So whatever mm -hmm. you got to do to make it sustainable, whatever works for you, that's the direction that you want to take it in. Yeah. Cause the second that hack stops working or like you forget to work on it and you need to go back to your, your core strength, like it's non-existent. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so we kind of need to have that backbone. So you just brought something really important. Like, if the hack stops working, have you encountered situations where something that was working stopped all of a sudden? Have you had to kind of deal with that or has it always just been okay is once you found something, you're able to ride that and leverage that consistently since then? 
I think that, I mean, I think that as humans, like things are constantly changing, right? And um, I mean, there are practices that I'll put in place that eventually they'll stop working. And usually when they stop working as, let me rephrase, they stop working as powerfully as they were. Usually when that happens, it's because I'm, I tend to get comfortable and go through the motions as humans sometimes do. Mm. But for me, often, often it's about checking back in and just like actually putting the importance on the practice. Like, am I doing it just to check it off of that list and like say that I'm going through the routine or am I actually empowering it? And oftentimes it's because I'm not empowering it. So um, I'm not sure that that really falls into the category of what you're talking about, where it's like the practice stops working. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when things tend to lose their flavor a little bit, or it's getting a little monotonous or boring, and I'm not empowering it, that's usually the trigger that I use to pivot a little bit and introduce something different. And that's just a, a personal preference. It's, I don't think that that's necessarily that the practice has stopped working. It's again, that empowerment piece. Yeah, but it also sounds strategic and that there's a handoff. You're starting to identify that there might be a potential problem because you're starting to get bored, which makes it the perfect time while it's still working to introduce something else into the mix that's a little fresh, that's also sustainable and that'll, that you'll be able to carry on to if you choose to let the other thing go. Yeah, it, it, it's more fun that way too. Like, not everything needs to be done every single day forever. Like some things definitely do, right? Like, but not everything does. And it's kind of like in the, in the fitness world, this is, I, there's this idea of muscle confusion that some people will call a complete myth and other people will live and breathe it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just the idea that you're going to switch it up every certain like period of time. And um, for me, that just keeps things interesting. And I do the same thing in certain practices in my life and my business. So um yeah, just a, a way to, you know, keep your body guessing, keep it fun and interesting. Right. So by the same token, you want to keep your mind guessing also to keep it interesting as long as you know that it's working. Yeah, exactly. If I have confidence and it's backed by science and it's data driven, which almost everything, not almost everything that I do is for the most part backed by, why do I keep using those words? Like for What's the that? most part, almost <laughs> like, man, um, but they're, they're all backed by science. Everything that I do with my clients is backed by science. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, in my personal life, I'll explore. So maybe that's why I'm subconsciously going to those words. But um, yeah, it's uh, test it up, uh, change it up and test things out for sure. What's the, uh, the most common challenge that you identify mm -hmm. through the clients that you're working with? And what do you do to help them get past that? Mm, most common challenge. I think... I think it probably comes down to like self-confidence and imposter syndrome, mm, got which it. I, I think that a lot of people run into. Um, and it's interesting. I, I was having a conversation about this earlier today where I think when we're looking up to these like celebrity level entrepreneurs, the people that you mentioned before, these people that run massive seven, eight, nine figure companies, right? We don't think that they struggle with it. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is now that we have the visibility of social media, a lot of people are communicating the fact that that's just not true. And that even though they're at that level, they still feel like they're going to get quote found out right? Like they feel like they're an imposter, which is really interesting. And it's really empowering, right? Because it means that we're not alone in the way that we're feeling. 
Yes. But that's something that almost everyone is going to go through at some point. And often it's a BS story that we're just telling ourselves. So how do we like check back out? There's, there's tons of ways, like essentially almost everything in life, like that doesn't serve us. It's like, cool. How do we recognize it faster? And then how do we implement something to bring us back and like convert that energy into back where we're supposed to be, get back on track to what we actually want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and tons of ways to do that with like testimonials, like check back in with, you know, what actually, uh, what actually serves us, like the value that you're bringing all these sorts of things. But another thing is actually, how do we stack those wins as fast as possible so that we can build up that confidence? Ed Milet says it best. He says that happiness boils down to self-confidence and self-confidence boils down to doing what we say we're going to do, right? Keeping our word to ourselves. Mm. And the more that we can do that on a day-to-day basis, the higher we're going to stack those wins, the higher we're going to stack that confidence and then that's going to fuel everything else, right? And then you add in a little bit of like properly celebrating wins instead of just going from one to the next and burning the hell out and everything changes. So I would say it's a combination of those pieces. Right. So, you know, keep your promise to yourself, celebrate your wins when you've earned them because you have. Yeah. And just regarding imposter syndrome, just understand that it never is how it appears on that other end as well. And yeah. I think that's so, so true. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, years back, I was the first book I ever published was a book of a collection of comic strips that I did when I was doing an art production studio. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to build up the money for it. Odd, odd jobs here, and I was an extra in the Olsen twins movie, New York Minute. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Someone, someone asked me if I seen it, like, yeah, well, I was in it, so I had to see it. Um, so it takes place in like late May or early June, like really warm, but it filmed in October. So, oh, wow. you know, you had to dress like it's warm and it was like city hall in manhattan and that wind it was just so horrible it was, it was to the point whenever they called cut uh you know the crew would would run and drape the olsen twins with blankets and stuff everyone else is like shivering their balls off but who cares yeah. and i think it's a wonderful thing though you watch that movie and it looks like it's this nice warm easy environment everyone was freezing and i think that's like the perfect uh, metaphor, if I'm using the right term for like things, you know, imposter syndrome, those people out there, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's also freezing his balls off. You just don't see it. Yeah. And you've got to remember that when things are getting tough for you also. Yeah. I think that I always love to use like public speaking as an example, because it's like the biggest fear that everybody has. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, at least that's what the articles tell us. It's like right up there with death, I think. And um, which is crazy to me. And what's interesting is we look at all these people that we're looking up to on stage and they get nervous every single time that they're going up there. And we just don't think that. We're like, you look so comfortable on stage. Like people tell it to me about my videos that I put out on social media. They're like, I just wanna show up on video like you. I'm like, dude, you should have seen those videos like five, six years ago when I was living on the Upper East Side and I was walking all the way across Manhattan because at the time the, the Second Avenue line hadn't come out yet. Mm. So that Q train wasn't there yet. So I had to walk all the way to Lexington in like the freezing cold. It's like 5 a.m. It's pitch black out because I'm going down to the gym before work. And I'm like trying to hold my camera out there and I'm like frigid, right? And I like didn't know what to say. Like those videos sucked. <laughs> Right. Like when I get on stage and I'm giving a talk now, I'm still nervous as hell until I get into that flow state and then it's okay. So, you know, I think that we, we think that people don't feel that, Yeah. but like everyone's human 
And one of my early, one of my early mentors, one of my first coaches always told me like nerves just mean that you care. Mm. You're not supposed to get rid of it. It just means that you actually care about the message you're trying to deliver. So take that for what it's worth. But I completely agree. It's not always what it seems. And and the people that we're looking up to are often uh, and most times going through exactly what we are in their own way. Yeah. Um, just curious to ask you, kind of pops in my mind, so I'm going to go with it. W- what, in your personal opinion, is your number one sales advice to somebody? Mm. So I'll go back to that same mentor. He also told me, if you can't sell, you can't serve right? Which really struck a chord with me because I'm like, my number one life pillar is impact over income. So by no means am I a sales expert. I worked retail for like 10 years growing up. I've built a couple of businesses and, and I've sold ideas, right? But I've never been in a hardcore sales role. So I would, I would say, go find one of those folks. But for me, the biggest thing has always been coming from a place of service and making sure that you're you're checked in with what you can, the value that you can provide, mm-hmm. because there's going to be a time and a place where you need to have the hard conversations and you need to stand for for that potential client, and that could end with them hanging up on you and calling you an asshole. But it could also end with you know them investing in whatever it is that you're selling, and then you get that text message two months later that says, "Hey, Andrew." I didn't want to do this and I didn't know where I was going to find the money to invest, but it changed my life. Like it changed my world. And I just did another 50 K last week because of it, you know? So uh, when you can tap into that, that service mindset and understand that you're, you're standing for that person. And obviously there's the integrity piece. Like you need to believe in what you're doing and, and don't oversell and, and all those sorts of things. But that would be kind of what I, what I share. Got it. Perfect. All right. Let's talk about real quick where people can find you. Obviously the results engine podcast, is that something where they just go to Apple podcasts? Is there a specific website? Yeah. Wherever you're listening to this show right now, you can likely find it. It's on all the major platforms and uh, that's the best place to, to get acquainted with me and my world is just the results engine podcast. Gotcha. And are there any other uh, locations that you want to share about if people want to connect with you, if they're looking for coaching or anything specific? Uh, mainly the podcasts are just, I mean, Instagram, just mm-hmm. at Mike Sesniak. But, um, but yeah, those are the main areas. Po- po- podcast is a good entry point because one, they'll get the podcast and two, they can learn more about you from there. Exactly. Yeah. Right now we're doing at the time of this recording, we've only introduced, uh, there was like the solo episode that was like the intro to the show and a bunch of interviews, but we're going to be soon, uh, releasing some like more solo episodes that are very high performance driven. So it'll be a lot of that similar content. You get a taste for all that. Got you. I, I took a quick listen on, on some of what you had there already. Just, you know, research how to be responsible. So for everyone listening, I could not recommend it highly enough. Um, you know, get, jump in and, and listen to, to Mike's podcast. It's really excellent. And I can tell that that advice that you just gave about coming from a place of service really did carry over into the work that you're doing there. And also just in the questions that you chose to ask me. So uh, could not recommend you highly and more, more highly enough. And um, well, I'm just close things out with, um, you know, what is the number one piece of advice? It's almost like a cliche, but I love asking this to people because you get a real insight. What's the number one piece of advice that you might've given yourself 10 or 15 years ago that you really wish you would have taken if you'd heard it? Mm. Mm, I love that. You know, I, I feel like I always, 
stray away from these sorts of questions because I don't believe in regret in the sense that I don't, I would never change anything on my journey because I'm grateful for where I'm at. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I really, I would have told myself earlier is um, it's going to be uncomfortable, but find a way to invest in yourself sooner because that was when the thing started to really like, you know, hit like high speed and really start to grow exponentially is when I started to make those uncomfortable investments, get around the people that had what I wanted, that could teach me what I needed to learn to get where I wanted to go, start to build that network. And it was really, really uncomfortable when I first did it, but it would have been just as uncomfortable had I done it a couple years earlier. Mm. So that would be, that would be the main thing. Cause you know, for me, I already believed everything else. Like I believe the impact over income thing. I believed that you know, my, my income would always be directly proportional to the number of lives that I touch in a positive way. Like all those things were already ingrained, but it took me a while to actually pull the trigger and invest in myself at like a really uncomfortable level, like that four to five figure range. So, um, that would probably be the one thing I would say to myself. Understood. Mr. Mike Sesniak, host of the Results Engine podcast. Thank you so much for gracing Shattered and Mold today with your insight and your wisdom and uh, just answering these awesome questions and really giving your feedback. I really do appreciate having you on today. Andrew, thank you so much for having me, man. Really had a blast. Thank you once again to Mr. Mike Sesniak. It was a pleasure having you on Shatter the Mold. And that is another episode in the can, ladies and gentlemen. Hoping you really liked that one. And as always, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't done so already, pull out that phone right now, quickly hit that subscribe button, get yourself on here so that you never miss another episode. And while you're at it, I'd love to hear what you think. So by all means, please leave an honest written review and let me know how you're liking today's content and past episodes and really where you want me to take the direction of the show moving forward. Uh, I'm obviously going to keep pumping out as much wonderful content as possible for you and I'm really excited about what I have in store for you already but I always love to hear where you're at and, and how you're liking this direction so far so that's all I've got for you today have a kick-ass week and I will talk to you guys next time thank you for listening to shatter the mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com my name is Andrew S. Kaplan My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.